Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. I am here tonight and so excited to welcome Nancy Ann Shipway to the podcast. She is an orthopedic surgeon practicing in Oregon. She does several things. She's a speaker, she's a writer, she's a podcaster, and of course, as I already mentioned, she's an orthopedic surgeon. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight, Nancy. Thank you, Kristen. I'm really excited to be on with you. So I was, as I was telling you before we started recording about how when I saw you had admitted that, yes, I'm, I struggle with imposter sy- syndrome with the best of them, and I w- had been admiring you for so long, I was shocked, and I was so excited to interview you because I think that there are still people out there that are immune to imposter syndrome, and I would have thought you were going to be one of them. Oh, no way. <laughs> I, I think I'm I'm definitely the opposite. Um, it's something that I I still struggle with all the time, although I recognize it more now. And when I feel like, oh, what am I doing here? Do I actually belong here? And who the hell do I think I am to be doing X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Um, I will catch myself and I'll be like, hey, cut that out, you know, because this is exactly what it is. And so kind of putting a name to it and, and recognizing what it is and, and kind of thinking about all the positives and the accomplishments that we actually have achieved helps you rein it in to some extent. It doesn't prevent it though. Yeah. And when do you think that you first noticed that you were having those thoughts of imposter syndrome? Probably when I started medical school was one of the times that I had experienced it and maybe to a lesser extent before that. But when I decided to go to medicine, go into medicine, it was a little bit later. It was kind of a second career. I started med school at almost age 29 or 30. And I think before that, maybe I didn't experience imposter syndrome quite as much because I don't think I pushed myself enough. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, you know, it may also be a sign that if you're not experience it, experiencing it, then maybe you're not pushing yourself to the point of being kind of scared. And when I started med school, I looked around and I was like, oh my gosh, well, first of all, a lot of these people are a little bit younger than I am and went straight through. I didn't go straight through. But I was like, what am I doing here? Do I belong here? Am I going to measure up? Am I going to make it through this? I was also very excited and happy to be there and grateful. But there's always that self-doubt that inevitably creeps in when you are putting yourself in a position of discomfort. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, did you plan on going into a field like orthopedic surgery when you were a student or when did you make that decision? I was first introduced to it between first and second year of medical school. So uh, I went into medicine thinking I was going to do some kind of primary care. And probably because I just hadn't had much exposure or shadowing experience in the surgical fields. And it's funny that I thought that going in because as soon as I got into the OR, I was like, whoa. This is so cool. And then when I went on my third year rotations, I was immediately hooked. I, you get kind of arbitrarily assigned where the, what rotation you're going to start with. And I started with general surgery. And during that time, I had one-week rotations also within various surgical subspecialties. And when I went through ortho, I was like, 
this is where I belong. These are my people. It, it didn't really even like occur to me. I was like looking around and these are my people. They're all guys, but <laughs> <laughs> they were still my people. I eventually found yeah. the other girls, but yeah, um, but yeah I just kind of knew. So it's interesting that your imposter syndrome was always kind of there. And then was, did you find that it was highlighted at all when you did match into this male dominated specialty? Well, you know, I feel like I probably have had more imposter syndrome in practice mm -hmm. after I finished residency. And maybe that was because as we were going through as interns, I, I think everybody in my class, in my orthopedics class, we were kind of wide-eyed and like, oh my gosh, and just trying to survive. And so it, I, it was almost like we didn't really have a lot of time to think. It was just, you just got to keep up. And we were all in the same place. So I think during residency, I didn't have a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was out in practice that I experienced it a little bit more. Um, I will say, though, going back to when I was a resident, maybe w when one instance in which I would kind of be like, well, what am I doing here is when I would be presenting um, mm -hmm. and speaking to my peers. I always got a little bit nervous presenting uh, at a conference, morning conference, talking about cases. And, you know, I kind of have, and it's funny, I'm kind of a speaker now, but worst fear ever, like had phobia of speaking. And that kind of ties into why I decided to do more speaking because I'm like, I got to I gotta overcome this to some extent. Um, but yeah, like I got very nervous when I was speaking and presenting like at Fracture Conference. And th these would be people in my residency and a couple of attendings, but I got very nervous presenting and just, ex I felt very exposed. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, what if I say something and I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So I was worried about that. Yeah. So what made you push to be more comfortable as a speaker? Well, when a couple of years ago, um, I am in private practice here in Portland, but the hospital system that I work at had asked me to do a talk. It was called OrthoWatch, where they have high school students come in who are on a health sciences track. And it really cool setup where early in the morning and, and these poor teenagers are up at like 6 a.m. Totally not mm -hmm. working with their biology at that moment. But um, they're up at 6 a.m. I do a pre-surgical conference down in the lecture hall. And I tell them a little bit about the surgery that I'm going to do that day, which was an ACL reconstruction. And then I go upstairs to the OR. They mic'd me up like Madonna. And I got to operate like that. And it was oh. really cool. I, you know, it was normally we have a lot of people in the OR, but there were extra people in the OR with like their cameras and, you know, their boom mics and all sorts of things. I, I'm not entirely sure how sterile that is, but um, it was a lot of fun. And as I was doing my ACL, I would kind of talk through the surgery and explain what I was doing. Um, and a funny aside was like, I would harvest the hamstring to use as a graft, the person's own hamstring. So an autograft and like, you kind of pluck it out and it's like, I don't know, almost a foot long and not quite several inches long. And uh, just, I could hear the auditorium too. And it was just this collective, like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. But um, 
you know, and then after that, I went down and I talked to them and did a Q&A about the surgery that I did and then did a second part of a presentation in which I talked about my own path into medicine and how it was a little bit circuitous and I took a couple of years off after college. And that experience, it, it went very well and I realized that I got to just get over the fear of speaking in public because I I realized how interested a lot of the kids were, and, mm -hmm. and I say kids, but really they're, they're teenagers, almost, almost adults. And then it really hit home when it was a good year and a half later that I took my son to this like American Ninja Warrior birthday party where the coaches kind of take kids through and do the climbing wall and all that stuff. And one of the coaches said to me, hey, I thought I recognized your name. I was in high school and I came to your talk almost two years ago and you influenced me to change my career path. I'm now wow. in nursing school. And wow. I was like, it, it, like, I get chills now thinking about it, but I totally was like, oh, oh my gosh. And, and it just made me realize that even as I'm walking around thinking I'm little me, you know, I'm like nobody, mm -hmm. you know, at which some of us walk around thinking sometimes, I realized it, it really had a pretty big impact on somebody mm -hmm. and, and maybe more than just that one person in the auditorium. And, and so I realized the power of my own voice and that it is important to be out there to talk about my experience and what I do and, and that it can really create a positive impression on somebody and, and maybe even help them in their career choices and their career path. So, so then I kind of started doing more events like that and I got online and, and did more multimedia kind of forms of speaking and communication. And I sort of embrace the the speaker persona so mm -hmm. <laughs> I made it made it part of my identity and and kind of I still get scared and I still yeah. get nervous speaking but um but definitely less so now yeah that's so that's such great advice I love that that's something that's worked for me too dealing with imposter syndrome is so often we get so focused on what are other things other, other people thinking about me and if you can turn it around and say like I can help someone then it usually helps to get rid of those thoughts when you can think about other become other focused so I love that mm -hmm. so you with the thoughts that you have that you mentioned about imposter syndrome like who, who do I think I am what am I doing here what helped you to recognize those thoughts as things that you didn't necessarily have to believe well like one example would be kind of going back to this, the speaking thing, you know, like, um, I used to just say, I am, I'm not a good speaker, I get really nervous, I'm not confident. And, and then hearing the feedback afterwards, which was very positive made me go, Oh, maybe I'm okay at this. And it really made me think, perhaps I'm telling myself the wrong narrative. Mm -hmm. And going back to that same experience um, early on where I spoke to the high school students, a couple weeks later, I got um, this big manila envelope in my office and it was filled with thank you cards, handwritten from the different students and highlighting what they liked about the experience and 
and it was this huge stack and I read all of them and it, it just really made a big impression on me. And, and they spoke about how entertained they were and that they found even parts of it funny because sometimes I'm a little bit of a ham, mm-hmm. even at work. And um, I, it just made me think, okay, I, I got to just stop telling myself that I'm not good at this because some people think that it was entertaining and useful. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. I think it's that that speaks to that listening to compliments and instead of saying, oh, no, just say thank you and yeah. self-reflect a little bit when that happens. Exactly. Do you struggle at all with a concern about being like overly confident or concerned with having people seem that you're arrogant? A lot of women physicians struggle with that, I think. I don't, I don't feel like I struggle struggled with being overconfident because it was always the other way around and I had to talk myself into being more confident. And I started to read more about how women behave differently in kind of a mixed mixed sex environment, Mm -hmm. um, how women lead differently compared to men. And the more I, I delved into that because it was interesting to me about how we behave, the more I realized and caught myself when I was falling into that more typical feminine pattern. And one of the things that, um, that I learned and stopped doing is, is using the word just. Mm-hmm. And I found that I would do that in emails all the time. It's like, oh, I just wanted to know if, you know, whatever, like you're inquiring yeah. about something, you know, I just wanted to know if the call schedule was out or, um, in, and I caught myself using just all the time. So even today, like I, I will draft emails and I'll go back and like any just, so, yep, yep. Take that just out. Cause I mean, you can say, I want to know what the call mm-hmm. schedule is. You know, you don't have to be like, I just want to know because it really kind of diminishes your power and diminishes your confidence and puts you in kind of this, you know, put yourself in kind of this awkward, weak position yeah. and, and not that I want to be this overbearing person, but, but I want to be on a level playing field when I'm communicating with a peer or colleague. And so um, it, it takes some effort to identify when you're doing that. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's one example of how I said, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's great. What has helped you to feel comfortable in your confidence? Anything in particular? I think that we rely a lot on sometimes in general, women uh, in general rely a lot on external feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to some extent, um, that definitely does help. But but I think if I reflect inwards and I kind of look at different accomplishments and different things I've achieved, it, it helps me reset a little bit and say, okay, you know what, I actually deserve this and I earned this and I've really work, worked hard to get to this point and getting in and kind of almost doing a review of my own CV in my head and or even just looking at it um, reminds me that I deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. You mentioned at the beginning about feeling like you like your imposter syndrome would creep in more when you were challenging yourself. And if you felt completely comfortable that that was a cue that maybe you're too comfortable, you know, you need to expand. What helps you to get over the hump from feeling like an imposter to going for something anyway? I think that 
I think that drive, I link back sometimes to my looking at my core values and like, I'll actually write them down in my calendar and I have them there for reference. It's not that I forget, but having that visual cue reminds me what's important to me. And when I'm scared about leaping into something, I ask myself if that actually fits into what is really important to me. And mm -hmm. if it is, then I know it's worth it. Then I know I should do it. And, and sometimes it's almost like, I, I like to say, it's almost like standing on the very edge of the diving board and you know the pool's going to be cold, but you just kind of have to let gravity tip you over a little bit. And if you can just get to that point and walk up to the edge of the water and you just kind of do a little lean forward, then you'll find that the momentum just keeps you going. Mm -hmm. um, I've experienced that when I decided to apply to med school. Um, and I wasn't sure if I could do it. I've experienced that, like uh, just applying to, uh, deciding to go into ortho and applying to ortho programs. And even recently, when earlier this year, when I decided to launch a podcast, I was scared. I was mm -hmm. scared. And I'm like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And sometimes I say, I still have no idea what I'm doing, but, <laughs> but I took the leap. And so you, you kind of just have to lean forward a little bit and just let that momentum pull you in. That's great advice. What works best for you when you are noticing those thoughts of imposter syndrome? Do you tell yourself anything or what do you do? You know, um, and I have to thank um, one of my good friends, now friends, um, Jill Wenner, who is is a, a physician and a meditation guru teacher yeah. um, for teaching me this. Um, I, I never used to meditate. And um, once I learned that skill set, I found that that was actually when I'm like having these panic breaths and I'm like, I can't do this. You know, like I've found that when I, when I will actually integrate that into my day and sometimes it's even just like a couple minutes, it actually, I don't really even know what, what happens because I'm not consciously making this happen. But if I kind of sit there and I be quiet or I be still, it kind of draws something from deep down that reminds me that I can do it. And it almost brings forth that confidence to let yeah. me know that I, it's something that I can and should tackle. Um, and so that's one tool that I've been using uh, since I learned how to do that just two years ago. And I found that when I'm feeling all panicky, like I shouldn't be doing this way. What, what am I doing? I don't know. Um, a lot of times if I just sit down and kind of have that quiet, it, the knowledge that I can do this is in there. And I think it, this is just one of the tools that I've learned to use to kind of tap into that and, and bring it back out. Great. You are a mom as well. Mm -hmm. Did you, does imposter syndrome creep in at all with, with your mothering? Oh, oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, and it's funny, like there's, there's, always, there's always Pinterest to make you feel yes. like you're inadequate, you know, For and, sure, and yeah. <laughs> whether it's Pinterest, or it's like the well curated social media yeah. of your friends, or even strangers who you've never met, mm -hmm. um, relative to parenting and, and motherhood, 
it definitely can make you say, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like a complete mess and, you know, a shit show and, and, uh, and, and that, it, you know, and it happens. Um, mm -hmm. It happens all the time. Like it, especially, I think we're especially prone when they're newborns, mm -hmm. less so as you become more, your, your kid becomes a little bit more independent and, mm -hmm. you know, it's still, there are challenges at every stage, but I think that when you have a newborn and you're a new mom and you don't know what's normal, you don't know, you know, what to think, what to be, what to feel, and you're looking around for comparison and, you know, and there's always that mom who her hair's like all done, she's got her mm -hmm. makeup on, and meanwhile, you're in sweatpants, you're not sure if you've washed them for a couple of weeks, and, and like that makes you go, oh my God, I should be more together than this, and so mm -hmm. I, I think it definitely happens and it, and it peaks out from time to time in motherhood, but definitely when you're a new mom. Yeah, for me, for me too. The comparison thing, has that been a struggle for you at all in medicine or more as a parent? I think more as a parent. Mm -hmm. I think more as a parent because in my day-to-day, -day, it's my job to be knowledgeable to my patients. Um, they're coming to me for my expertise and my opinion on their problem, and they're not always easy problems and I don't always have the answer and I, I talk through things a lot with them but I'm in this role where I have to be I have to be confident um, with my patient and um, and so it, I think as far as doctoring goes I don't feel that as much as I do with the parenting or mm -hmm. other new projects and new ventures that I'm not as used to doing. So it's those, it's the things that you're more unfamiliar with that make you feel like that comparison. Yeah. Well, let's, let's end with um, your advice. What, what advice would you give a young physician or a resident who's struggling with imposter syndrome? I think it's important to know that you deserve this. Um, that you have, you know, you're a young physician, you're a resident, if you think about all those years that you've put in uh, at various levels of your education and all that dedication and hard work, you have put in the time and you deserve to be here. You deserve to be here as much as that person standing next to you. And it's an important thing to remember. Um, and, and also, you know, try to remember as you're going through training or going through early attending hood and getting into practice that as much as we are born, I think we're born physicians, we're born carers, caretakers of people. There is also a lot of life outside of medicine and uh, things that deserve your attention that ultimately will help you be a fuller person. Mm -hmm. um, in that it's okay to be committed to your craft, to be committed to medicine, and still simultaneously be committed to yourself and be committed to friends and family um, because they're going to be there for you when you retire. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all going to exit medicine at some point and we want to look back and and see that we've accomplished what we wanted to, but that we, we've also lived a full life and that we didn't miss yeah. out on what's really important.
That's perfect. That's so true. I agree with all of that. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight, and I look forward to um, chatting with you more in the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. One more thing before you go. I wanted to tell you about the amazing course I just put together and is available now and live at the lowest price I'll ever offer it. And it is all about how to coach yourself. So if you have been considering getting a coach, haven't been able to commit, worried about the financial investment, or just not quite sure if it's the right thing for you yet, then self-coaching is a really, really good place to start. It's exactly where I started my journey to becoming the confident and fulfilled physician that I am today and living with intention and living with purpose. For the past two years, have been working on material that I could offer other women to help them to get to where I am because there's nothing special about me. Anyone can feel this way with the proper tools and that's what self-coaching provides. So it is an in-depth and complete look into self-coaching, including what it is, why it's so important, all the tools that you need to know about self-coaching, and even a special module designed just to help you to solve your biggest everyday problems, including imposter syndrome, which so many of us struggle with. It also includes access to the private Facebook group where you can ask questions or seek support. And the part I'm most excited about is the opportunity to hop on group coaching calls every month where we can talk about specific problems that you're having. It's a safe environment where I can give you some personalized help and support as you go along this course and well beyond. Check out the link in the show notes page for this one-of-a-kind self-coaching course. It's designed mostly geared towards physician women or professional women who are struggling in their day-to-day life with a feeling of lack of confidence, feeling like an imposter, feeling like you're going through life reacting to everybody else's problems and no real direction for where your own life is going. I can help you get there and self-coaching is the way to do it.